0: The Rural Health Voice, Episode 94, Mastering Nursing. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. Why does rural Virginia need advanced degrees in nursing? Dr. Lori Ann Ferguson of Emory & Henry joined me to discuss their new Master's in Nursing program. Well, welcome, Dr. Ferguson. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And I want to think back early, early, early. How did you first become interested in healthcare as a career?
1: That's an excellent question. I actually just was having a conversation recently. I didn't come from a family that had healthcare professionals. Somehow I knew I wanted to be a nurse in high school and pursued, went to a, a bachelor's program. And then later became a nurse practitioner. And so I have practiced clinically my entire career, even when I've been in academia. So it gives me great joy to do the clinical practice part as well as the teaching part.
0: And now you are the founding dean of the Emory & Henry School of Nursing, Looking at your career, you've worked all over the country. Why settle in Southwest Virginia?
1: Yeah, I I grew up on the West Coast, and I have lived and worked in Canada and drove across the border to practice in frontier, not just rural status, frontier nursing. And there wasn't always a particular plan direction, but as I look back, it's, there's been a purpose in it. My passion has been rural, underserved populations. My research and programmatic passion is health literacy and bringing quality health care to rural, underserved populations, but also making it understandable and helping patients understand how to ask the right questions that they can make good decisions that are good for them.
0: It's always great to be informed about your own health care. Yeah.
1: So actually, how did I end up in Southwest Virginia? I was dean at at another school, and I was looking, quite frankly, to move before I finished my career closer to family. I've missed the mountains, and um, when I came here to Emory & Henry, I was so impressed by the facilities that are here. Lots of programs, lots of institutions across the country of started new nursing programs, but they don't always have all the resources that are necessary. It's expensive to educate nurses and have the simulation facilities. The other thing that really attracted me here to Emory & Henry was the opportunity to do interprofessional education. So there's a huge emphasis on interprofessional education because the more your team members learn, to work together when they're learning to be whatever healthcare professional they're studying to be, the better they work as a team and the better the patient does when the team works well together. But it's not always practically easy. Sometimes at a large institution, the different disciplines, their schools are across campus. It's hard to create those activities. We're all together here. And so we can learn to work and educate and have a Deeper appreciation of what the other discipline brings to patient care and develop respect. And that's a unique opportunity. And it was just a win win all the way around.
0: Yeah, I think people outside of healthcare might be surprised to learn that doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals may not learn together. They work together. Why wouldn't they learn together?
1: Yeah. And it's a real disadvantage because otherwise you're left with the discipline does whatever you saw on TV or in the movies. And that may not fully uh, have displayed the full scope of that particular discipline's expertise and what they
0: bring to patient care. So you're telling me that not everything in healthcare is what I saw on an episode of House?
1: Well, actually... You should take great solace in that it's usually not what you saw on an episode of House, that it's usually a little more uh, detailed and complicated, but also instead of being paid high actor salaries, the healthcare professionals are doing it mostly because it's what they love and they bring passion to their work.
0: I think I'd rather have someone taking care of me that cared about me rather than just seeing me as an end to a paycheck. Absolutely. So Emory & Henry started a Bachelor's of Science in Nursing degree very recently. How did all that come about?
1: Well, we're in a rather unique part of the state. There's 100 miles from the Bradford to the Tennessee border, and we were the first baccalaureate program in nursing in this whole stretch of the I-81 corridor, and so Emory & Henry has been around since 1836, so they have a long history of educating uh, students at both undergraduate and graduate levels to teach them how to think in the liberal arts tradition, but they more recently started a school of health sciences with um, physical therapy, occupational therapy, clinical mental health counseling, and physician assistant studies, In looking at the need and talking to the different healthcare organizations, there was, we need more nurses. And realizing that they really needed to answer the region's need for more nurses. And quite frankly, that's a national, international problem. Lots of need for nurses all over. And that there was facilities here to be able to... To start a program and to educate nurses from this region, because we do know that while some of us have traveled and lived all over from where we grew up, most people tend to stay or go back to where they grew up when they um, decide to establish their career and start families or whatever. So, by educating nurses in this region, we would be more strategic in being able to recruit nurses to this region.
0: And so you have the Bachelors of Nursing program established and are now working on developing or maybe have developed a master's program. Why make the jump to master's? Well, there's a couple of
1: reasons. Number one, nursing is not a big scope in terms of different areas of expertise, as well as there's a registered nurse licensure and there's advanced practice nurse licensure. In addition to there being a nursing shortage, there is a nurse faculty shortage. And one of the ways to help solve that shortage is to help grow our own. So by educating nurses who need a minimum of a master's degree to teach in baccalaureate programs. So our master's program is very strategic. We have two tracks that are advanced practice. We aren't starting the doctoral program yet. That's a down the road in the not-too-distant future, but wanting to start a master's program first to prepare both nurses clinically in an advanced practice role, but also if they chose to go into a teaching role, they would have the academic credentials and the clinical experience and preparation to teach.
0: Yeah, we have discussed on this podcast several times the need for more nurses, but I think we've we've pretty much focused on, on RNs and BSNs so the having that masters level will help with the need to train even more RNs? Yes,
1: both from the academic side in terms of you need a minimum of a master's to teach nursing and we have but the other issue is that one of the things that's impacting the nursing shortage is the uh, retirement, the big wave of retirement of baby boomers. And that has double impact. It means that you have Loss of registered nurses in the workforce, but you're also losing huge experience in terms of clinical experience and the ability to mentor the next generation in the clinical area. So by having advanced clinical education, and it also provides nurses who may choose to continue on in their clinical career, whether it's in acute care settings or primary care or community, they bring a wealth of experience and clinical experience to the role that also mentors nurses who may be new, newly minted and newly graduating and starting their careers in the clinical setting.
0: You know, nurses and nurse faculty Kind of a chicken and egg problem. You can't have more nurses till so you have more faculty, but you can't have faculty without training nurses. Have, has Emory and Henry have trouble recruiting faculty? How are you dealing with that? Actually,
1: when I took this position, that was my biggest kind of worry. And I have been incredibly blessed that we've been able to recruit very qualified, very solid clinicians who wanted to get into teaching and expand in their career. And so, so far, we've been very fortunate in that regard and uh, have some good opportunity to grow. But that, that certainly is a challenge for any school of nursing, but certainly in rural areas, that's an even bigger challenge.
0: What previous educational experience does a prospective master student need to have before applying to the nursing program?
1: Graduate nursing, usually you have to have a bachelor's degree. Now, there's a couple of streamlined paths. So... Institutions become very creative in finding solutions to increasing the nursing workforce. So there are nurses who are prepared at the registered nurse at a community college. They have an associate's degree, sit for the same licensing exam, and have the same credential registered nurse, but they have a different academic degree. In terms of graduate programs, then generally they have a bachelor of science degree and then go into a master's. Uh, or a doctoral program. What we're doing at Emory & Henry is not unique across the country, but is a bit unique to this region in that uh, if you are an associate's prepared nurse and you are in our RN to BSN program, um, in the last 12 credit hours of your program, you can apply to the graduate program. And upon acceptance, there are six credits of coursework you can take at the graduate level, at the master's level, in lieu of, instead of, the undergraduate level. So you get a bit of efficiency. So there is a pathway for associate's degree nurses to go through working on their BSN, but on the way end up in the MSN program with some efficiency.
0: And you mentioned RN to BSN, basically a path for people to move from registered nurse to Bachelor of Science in Nursing. How do you think that program flexibility helps people to become nurses. You know, There's not a lot of careers where you can do something for a little bit and then do something else to get a higher degree. A lot of careers, you have to step directly from high school into a four-year bachelor's program. How does that work with nursing?
1: So nursing's a little unique in that there's multiple entry points. It's not necessarily can you kind of change your career, but if you went to an undergraduate program and you came out with a bachelor's in biology, for instance, you would need to seek a program that either took you as an accelerated program, and there are lots of programs like that where you can get your uh, qualifications for your BSN and, and qualify to sit for your registered nurse license in as little as a year to uh, to 18 months. There are also what they call direct master's entry programs where you might have a bachelor's in biology or chemistry or, or some other discipline and you go to school and you graduate with a master's of science in nursing, but it's direct entry. So you're prepared to sit for the licensing exam, registered nurse. You're not prepared for advanced practice roles in those degree programs.
0: And, you know, last I checked, someone with an RN or bachelor's in nursing didn't have a hard time getting a job. So what would they want to think about before determining if they even want to go after their master's degree? So
1: I think, um, and I should make the distinction between licensure, so there's a registered nurse and advanced practice nurse licensure, so that's advanced license. You have to be a registered nurse, then you get an advanced licensure and there are multiple degree programs to get you to those two endpoints so the legal license and the academic degree so you know sometimes there's a challenge why do i get my bsn i'm i'm a registered nurse at, from an associate degree program it has to do with opportunities it also has to do with in terms of clinical opportunities or leadership or administrative opportunities But it also gives you the ability then to go on for graduate education, which opens the door for advanced practice licensure, for advanced clinical work. And it might be, you might be the informatics nurse specialist in your particular institution, or you might choose uh, nursing leadership and administration, and you need to have the academic credential to help further your career, your professional career.
0: I see that the program has both hybrid and in-person components. Would students need to live in the Smith County area?
1: No, our curriculum will be delivered online with, at this point, we're planning two intensives, one in the first fall semester and one towards the end of the program. And for, for two reasons. One, working professionals need flexibility. They don't need to have to be bound to going to a brick and mortar Um, to sit in a lecture. They can have synchronous class delivery, but it can be delivered digitally or online. Um, So it doesn't mean that in a program that's online, that there won't be synchronous classroom or opportunities to interact in real time with faculty and other students. Um, But the reason for the bit of hybrid or those two intensives is to be able to deliver content Um, that you can't effectively do in, in an online space. So one is validation of clinical skills. So we can teach you how to do all kinds of physical exam techniques, but at the end of the day, you need somebody to say, yes, you're doing it right, or no, let's help you perfect that skill and validate those clinical skills. So programs that are completely online often have a challenge with doing that because there's not an opportunity to be able to say, let me help you learn to do this an easier or a better way, or let me validate that, yes, you are doing it correctly. But the other reason for the intensives is to provide opportunities that are just difficult in the online space. So, Again, it's going to be workshop-based. It may be uh, skill acquisition, suturing, casting, splinting. Those kind of opportunities are a little bit harder to do where I can give feedback or any uh, faculty can give feedback in terms of, yes, you're doing the technique correctly. Let me help you learn this better. So it also is an opportunity to have that human interaction. So I think one of the things we learned in the pandemic that, yes, we can do a lot of things as well, if not better, in the digital space. And there's sometimes we just need that human piece. And nursing is so touch, so human interaction driven, that is finding a kind of even the learning of that, the educational preparation requires A bit of the hands-on and interaction with your, your classmates, your colleagues, as well as faculty. And then, quite frankly, we have such wonderful facilities here to help assist and augment in that learning process that we want to take advantage of those opportunities.
0: So are the intensives held there on site at Emory & Henry?
1: Yes, they will be held here.
0: So what do students do for housing during the intensive?
1: Well, we're looking at a few days, so we're looking at hotels or short-term opportunities. It's sort of a long weekend, you know, kind of thing.
0: Are there scholarships or other forms of support for students?
1: Um, There's not necessarily nursing scholarships yet. That's one of my to-dos to help support students on that. There is a, a fair amount of governmental support, even without institutional scholarships, in terms of Health Resource and Service Administration, HRSA, often will pay back loans and provide incentives and scholarships for all healthcare professions, but particularly in nursing and particularly those um, graduates who choose to go and and practice in rural underserved areas. So to sort of incentivize students to go practice in health provider shortage areas, Hipsa. If a
0: middle school or high school student was pondering nursing as a career, what advice would you give that person?
1: I would say take advantage of any of the opportunities to go and try it out. The health healthcare camps, um, shadowing opportunities, mentoring. One of the things that we've been really fortunate at Emory & Henry is just to be given a lab school grant. So in Southwest Virginia, We are working with Bristol schools, Washington County schools, and Smith County schools to develop a lab school program that will also help foster students in their high school, secondary, but even middle school. And we'll bring them to campus and help give them opportunities to explore what the different options and different professions within healthcare and making a decision what's right for them.
0: You know, you are now one of several podcast guests that when I ask that question, they say, you know, find a mentor, find someone to shadow. So what do you think the Virginia Rural Health Association could do to encourage healthcare professions to serve as those mentors?
1: I, I think, you know, there are some times where there's financial incentives. I think often the people who volunteer to do this, I tell people All the time when they volunteer, you say you don't have enough time, and then you go and you do the volunteer, the mentoring relationship, and you realize you didn't have time not to do it. I mean, I have always found that I probably gained as much, if not more, than the mentee did from the experience. So I think encouraging healthcare professionals in the area to talk about why they love what they do and be realistic the days that are hard and the patients that are sometimes hard to love but also what gives them great joy and why they chose their career and why they would continue to make the same decision i will tell you i would still choose nursing 42 years later that it is it brings me great joy and one of the things i do is maintain my clinical practice because that interaction with patients I I gain as well as hopefully the patients gain.
0: And last question, question I ask all my guests, if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and healthcare in rural America?
1: I think I would work for ways to increase access. I would work to improve health literacy. Health literacy to really improve health literacy, the burden is on the provider. So I think educating providers to speak living room language, not medical ease. So it's not about dumbing it down. It's about being clear and speaking in a way that the patient can understand. But bringing, I mean, the, the thing about the expansion of broadband, and we still have a digital divide, I think, and but we're, that seems to be, that gap is closing. So I'm uh, I I don't put that at the top of my list, improving the digital divide anymore. But I think that that still is the opportunity where we could bring specialists to the patient. We could, instead of having to drive an hour and a half and weather and all kinds of other barriers, bringing a specialist to the patient in some way through telehealth is a wonderful opportunity. So increasing access and helping providers speak clearly and helping patients understand what their choices and why a particular recommendation is preferred by the provider in helping them make choices that they can navigate and control
0: their own health. Well, thank you, Dr. Ferguson. We so much appreciate your time today.
1: Well, thank you for this opportunity.
0: That's Dr. Ferguson advocating for improved communication with patients. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, check out the upcoming National Rural Health Association Conference. Join us in San Diego, May 16th through 19th. For details, visit ruralhealth.us.